Praise the Lord, everyone. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Truly, it is an honor and a privilege just to share uh, the word of the Lord one more time. Um, it is a good thing for us to be here together, um, joined online in the presence of the Lord where we can lift him up and we were, where we can bless his holy name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's just take a moment just to lift up the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's take a moment just to magnify him. Hallelujah. The God, hallelujah, who came down to save us from our sins. Hallelujah. Let's just take a moment just to lift him up wherever you are. Hallelujah. In whatever position you are in, let's just take just a moment just to praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For his name is above every name. Hallelujah. The Bible says it's at his name that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Hallelujah. Let's just take a moment and just honor his name. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 We are grateful tonight. Hallelujah. For the name of Jesus Christ, it is truly what makes all the difference in our lives. Bless the Lord. And at this time, I just want to extend greetings to our pastor, Pastor James and his household, and to all the ministry uh, team at Faith Deliverance and all of the wonderful people of God and those uh, especially who are visiting with us tonight. I greet you in the wonderful and majestic name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. And at this time, just want to look at the word of God and just be open to hear what he will say to us tonight. Bless the Lord. I'm just going to read one um, passage of scripture. Um, and it, that will be taken from Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 5. Proverbs 16, verse 5, and uh, I'll read from the King James Version for this passage. Bless the Lord. And the scripture says, Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though hand join in hand, he shall not be unpunished. Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though hand, join in hand, he shall not be unpunished. Hallelujah. Just want to speak tonight just from the topic, let go of your pride. Let go of your pride. As we look at this text, this one verse, um, and we examine it, we see that the writer of this Proverbs is telling us some very important information about those who are proud in heart. And you may be wondering, what does proud in heart mean? And when we examine that word, when we look at proud in heart, um, it doesn't speak about somebody who is, you know, proud because of some achievements that their, their children have done or have accomplished. It's not speaking of that uh, kind of pride. 
but rather the proud in heart in this context is speaking of one who sees themselves as large in their own eyes, who sees themselves as great, um, as lofty. In fact, one of the words for that uh, word proud is, is lofty, someone who sees themselves as, as exalted, uh, where within their own estimation and within their own um, perspective, they are exalted, they are lifted up. Um, and as we look at this, we see then that there's a very... Um, destructive feature of this form of pride because it says that everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination and this scripture makes no exemption there's no exception it says that everyone meaning there is no person that is removed or is exempt from this statement everyone that is proud in heart, is an abomination. But what is an abomination? Um, that's not really a word that many use today. It's not something that we'll hear uh, in our day-to-day -day conversations. But it's important for us to understand just what an abomination is. Uh, because the scripture says that my people, God says, my people are destroyed due to a lack of knowledge. And therefore, it's important for us to understand what the word of God means much more than it is for us just to read it. It's good to read it. And it's good to listen to it. But it's more important that we understand it and that by understanding, we obey it. And so the abomination literally means something that is detestable that is detested, it's uh, something that is hated, it is something that is so disgusting that it causes a feeling of disgust. I mean, just imagine something that once uh, looking at it, it, it brings this feeling of wanting to, to puke or wanting to vomit. That is uh, what the, 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 the word abomination conjures. When God sees something that is an abomination to him, it literally would cause him to feel that same kind of feeling that he would want to vomit. He, it, it, it causes him to feel so much discomfort that he just wants that thing out of his sight. In a layman's terms, just uh, as an example we can look at is when you or I, when we go to the washroom, we do what we need to do. And after using the washroom, we... Uh, discard of that tissue or that toilet paper once we're done with it because that is now that is like an abomination that uh, you wouldn't keep that in your house you wouldn't put it anywhere you wouldn't fold it up and keep it on your night table no because that thing is like an abomination it is it is good for nothing it is a uh, waste it needs to be discarded of it's not it's not enough just to put it in a garbage but no what we do with it with such uh, paper is we flush it. We get rid of it. We want it out of our sight because it, it, it causes a stench. It causes uh, uh, things that are abominable cause a stench. And so God says now 
that the wicked, uh, sorry, the, the proud in heart are an abomination. And though hand join in hand, he will not go unpunished. And so uh, many persons, when they hear that word abomination, um, our minds go back to a specific story in the Bible. Um, in the book of Genesis, where God, after meeting with Abraham and bringing a word, good news to Abraham, bringing a word uh, that would cause Abraham to rejoice after telling Abraham and his wife that by next year, around this time, you will have a child. And after bringing such wonderful news to Abraham, God then turns his face towards a city called Sodom. And he says, as he's about to go with the two angels that are with him, the Bible says, that he said, can I hide this thing from my friend Abraham? How can I hide what I'm, what I'm about to do? And so God then tells Abraham his plans and his intentions. And if we look at Genesis chapter 18, the Bible says that God, when he looks at Sodom, he tells Abraham that I'm going down to Sodom. Because I need to see what's happening there. And we'll just look at the verse in Genesis chapter 18. We'll just read it. And so God says to him. In verse 19. Uh, verse 20. It says, and the Lord said. Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is come unto me, and if not, I will know. God here is telling Abraham that the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah it is great, and because their sin is very grievous, it's come up now. It's come up before me, and I want to know what is happening there. I'm hearing a cry. I'm hearing a sound in my ears, and I want to know what is going on in Sodom. And so God now goes and sends the two angels to Sodom, and we've heard the story, and we know that after getting into Sodom, the angels were confronted by a group of very uh, wicked and evil men. The Bible says that they were planning to stay out in the streets. The, the, the angels planned to stay in the streets all night. But Lot said to them, please come into my house. And as they were coming into the house, the Bible says that the men of the city, all the men, both old and young, came and surrounded the house. They literally surrounded Lot's entire house with all the men of the city. And their request was to, to, to Lot, give us those two men that came into your house that we, will, we may know them. And that's just King James Version language uh, for something that, that is, is extremely um, disgusting and is extremely abominable they say we want to force ourselves upon these men 
bring them out to us. And so as Lot is pleading with them and begging them, please don't do this. He says, listen, I have two daughters here. They, 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 I think they, they, they'll be good enough for you to, to satisfy that desire that you have. They said, we don't even want them. We want those two men. Give them to us. And they began to beat against the door and trying to push and barge their way in to take these two angels by force. And when something has become so abominable, has become so rife with sin, God has to act. Because if not, there will be a complete destruction. And so as they are now pushing and trying so hard to get in, the Bible says that the angels came to the door and they struck every one of those men with blindness. And as the men are, they're going around in blindness, still searching to get into the house. Although their eyes are blind, their desire is still strong. They're still looking to get to these two angels, to these two angels who they believe are just men just like them. And as they're looking and they're blind, just searching around, the angels say, listen, Lot, it's time to go. Because when things get this bad, when society gets this bad, I want you to understand that it is time to go. And as they're now searching, they're still hungry for that flesh. They're still hungry to take these men. The Bible says that the, the angels say to Lot, you take your wife, take your children, everyone that's in this house. Get yourselves ready because you must come out of this country. You've got to get out of this, this city. Because we're about to destroy it. Because now we have been sent to see. We were, we were planning to stay in the streets all night. Just to see if what we're hearing in heaven is actually happening on earth. We were planning to just stay out in the streets. But because things were so bad in the streets. We couldn't even stay in the streets. We had to lock up ourselves in the house. And now we recognize that what we hear in heaven. Our ears weren't deceiving us. When we hear the poor crying out, what we hear happening in this city is real. And now we have to act. And so divine judgment is coming to this place of abomination. And the Bible tells us that the angel is telling Lot to get out. And as Lot is there pleading with the angel and trying to buy time, the angel has to pull him out. And says, take your family. In fact, Lot's son-in-laws, some of them didn't believe. They thought that he was just telling some jokes. They thought that this destruction that he was speaking of was just some idle tale, some, some funny fairy tale. But the angels had no time to convince them. Because when we're that near to the end, when we're that near to judgment, there's no time to, to, to spend and labor the point. And so they pull Lot. And they say, grab your wife, grab your children and get out. Head for the hills. Look to a place of safety. Go to a place that is elevated. And as Lot is preparing his departure and his exodus out of Sodom. The Bible says that once he gets out. That God remembers Abraham. God remembers how Abraham was was, was was interceding for Sodom. He was saying, God, if you find 20 righteous, would you still destroy it? God says, no. If you find 10, would you still destroy it? 
He says, no, this is showing the long suffering. It's showing the mercies of God. God is willing to bargain with Abraham. He's willing to bargain with his servant over this city. He's saying, God, if you find five, will you destroy it? God, God is looking at Abraham and saying, if I can just find someone that's righteous, I, if I can just find someone who, who will stand up for righteousness, I won't destroy it. But when they get there, there's nothing that is righteous. There's none. So they say, Lot, you've got to get out of here. And as soon as Lot is taken out, the Bible says that fire and brimstone rained down from heaven. And we look at that story and many would believe that because of what these men were doing, because of that act that would be termed sodomy, that that is why God destroyed the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. But I come tonight to tell you that's not the whole truth. That's not the only reason why Sodom suffered such a great disaster. Look with me at the book of Ezekiel chapter 16. And we're just going to look at a few verses so we can discover what was the sins of Sodom? What caused this destruction to come? The Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 16, if we can look at verse, we can look at for this one, the, the NLT version. Bless God and We'll look at uh, Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49. Bless the Lord. The Bible says, verse 49, Sodom's sins were pride, gluttony, and laziness, while the poor and needy suffered outside her door. We'll look at verse 50. She was proud and committed detestable sins. So I wiped her out as you have seen. So as we examine this text, the prophet Ezekiel is giving us a very important piece of information. He's informing us that the reason that Sodom was wiped out was not just because of what those men did. In fact, the scripture says that what God said to Abraham, the cry has come up before me. Where was that cry coming from? It tells us the poor and needy suffered outside her door. In their suffering, the cry would have went up to God. In their suffering, they would have cried out. They would have been in agony, just crying for the pain that's being left suffering, probably not having enough food. While those who are within the city gates had so much food, the Bible calls one of their sins gluttony. They had so much to eat that they were possibly just throwing stuff out, throwing out whole baskets of food. While those who were waiting on the outside, who were crying, the poor were crying, please, can I just get a slice of bread? Please, can I just have what's left of your meal that you finish and you're done with? 
Sodom, your dogs are even having more food than the poor and needy. Can I please have a meal? And as they sat outside the gate, they were crying out, crying, please, please, can you have something to eat? Can I have something to help me with the condition I'm going through? Please, Sodom, please. But the men and the women of Sodom, they plugged their ears and they shut up their ears to the cry of these poor and the needy. But the Bible tells us that out of all of these sins, it lists the first sin as pride. And pride is such a destructive sin because it causes man to sit in the position that God should be in. It causes us to elevate ourselves to the throne of God. And so pride in its essence is the worship of self. It's the idolatry of self. And so now it's not just a carved image that is considered idolatry. It's not just bowing down to various idols or animals that's considered idolatry. But when we elevate ourselves to the position of having the ability to do and say whatever we want. When we elevate ourselves, not just through what we speak, but in our heart to the position of thinking that we are better than other people. Hallelujah. Of thinking that we deserve more. Of thinking that because we worked for it, it all belongs to us. That now is the root of pride. And we see when the scriptures name pride as the first sin, it's because this was the sin that was the highest. This was the sin that caught God's attention the most. It was the pride that gave room, that opened the door for every other sin to enter in. And it was the pride. It was that spirit. Because when Lot, we can tell what kind of spirit, when Lot looked at the plains of Sodom, The Bible tells us he was with his uncle, Abraham, and he was following Abraham. And wherever he went, he was blessed. In fact, he was so blessed that there was not even enough room for them to stay in the same place. Until they were so blessed that now a strife started to come in. Some some problems uh, started to enter between his herdsmen and Abraham's. And Abraham said, listen, you know what? For peace sake, let's... Let's just depart. Let's just separate ourselves. Look how huge the land is. You choose somewhere. And Lot lifted up his eyes. And instead of asking God, where should I go? Once he looked at the waters, uh, once he looked at the gardens and the fields of Sodom, the Bible says they were so well watered that all he could see is how this thing could serve himself. How these fields could, could, could cause him to flourish. He could see the material wealth. He could see the success that would happen to him if he departed from Abraham and moved to Sodom. And it was that same spirit of pride that caused Lot to leave Abraham to disregard the will of God. Not even to to spend time to say, God, where should I go? He didn't have time to ask him because the spirit of pride gripped his heart. And says, look at what you can get for yourself over there. And so that spirit of pride drew Lot into the land of Sodom. And so we see that this pride gives rise to so many other sins. 
And it's this pride that does not originate here on earth. But the first act of pride took place in heaven. In the place where there should be complete worship and reverence to God. Where every knee should be bowing and every hand should be raised. In that place, the Bible says the spirit of pride was found. It was Lucifer, the highest of the angels. The angels that the Bible calls the covering cherub. And the cherub, the cherubim was, was, was positioned in a place that they were meant to literally cover the presence of God. Their uh, task was to bow before God and to ensure that nothing would take his glory. They were literally to cover, to be as security guards, to ensure that nothing would infiltrate the glory of God or rob the glory of God. But it was that anointed cherub, Lucifer, who when he saw his own beauty, pride infiltrated his heart. And that pride now caused him to become violent. The Bible tells us in Ezekiel chapter 28 that it was through this pride that violence began to form. And we ask, where does violence, why are there so much violent acts happening in our world? Pride. The Bible says that only by pride comes contention. Meaning an argument can't even break out unless there's someone that has pride inside of them. Because you can't argue with someone who's not willing to argue. With someone who's not willing to talk. With someone who's saying, okay, you go ahead. It's very difficult to argue with someone who's humble. Because they won't defend themselves. But this spirit of pride took Lucifer so high that he's looking at the throne of God and saying, I want that. After looking at himself and seeing that, how beautiful he was, he says, now, because of my beauty, I should have that. And pride brings on the spirit of jealousy. Pride brings the spirit of covetousness. If you find covetousness, if you find that you want something that belongs to someone else, check the spirit of pride. Examine if pride is sitting on the throne of your heart. And so that spirit of pride now causes Lucifer. Because we can't have two kings sitting on the same throne. We can't have two kings trying to go in different directions. So one has to be cast down. And so the spirit of pride is someone that wants to be a king. That wants to be served. And you know those thoughts when, when you're not acknowledged. When you're not recognized for something you've done. Then the spirit of pride raises up. He says, look how much I've done for these people. Look how much times I've served them. How I've been there for them. And pride begins to elevate itself. Higher and higher. Until it's sitting on the throne. And once it's there now. Everything that it says becomes a law. So if pride says, don't talk to her, she hurt you, she should have never done that, then pride, that word becomes a law. Don't talk to her becomes a law that you bow to. 
So my sister, who God has called me to have proper relationship with, who God has called me to forgive her because he forgave me. My brother, who God has called me to forgive him because he forgave me. Pride now makes a law that says don't talk to him. He's not worthy of your reconciliation. He's not worthy of your forgiveness. And that law now causes us to act as though we're sovereign. As though we have all power and all power and all might. And so now it's this pride that caused Lucifer to be cast down to the earth. And his name, his very name changed to Satan, which means adversary. One who opposes. The one who was the light bearer, who was to bring the light of God. Who was to carry the presence of God and cover the presence of God. Cover the glory is now the one who is bringing accusation. And when the spirit of pride is within us, it brings accusation. It turns us into an adversary of God. And this is why it's so dangerous. Because it's a slow progression to a very sudden destruction. Pride is a slow progression to a sudden destruction. And that's why the Bible says that pride comes before destruction. And a haughty spirit before a fall. And so pride will cause us to ascend slowly. And each day we give pride some more influence in our life. Is the more of an abomination we become. Each day we give pride more activity in our day-to-day life is the more of an adversary we are becoming to God. That's why the Bible says that God resists the proud. That means he's literally opposing the proud. He is against the proud. The proud have become an enemy to God. And so that spirit of pride causes us to stand in a direct opposition against the spirit of God. But why? Because God is humble. Although he is the lofty one, although he is the highest, the most high, the Bible calls him. The scripture says that he's humble. That he's lowly. When Jesus came, he says, listen, I want you to understand the type of spirit that I have. That's why when his enemies came to, to, uh, uh, against him to arrest him and Peter swung his sword and chopped off the ear. Jesus took the ear of his enemy and put it back on. Humility. He was willing to humble himself. To say nothing when people were railing against him when people were speaking all manner of evil against him jesus who is god in the flesh manifested humility and the bible tells us in isaiah chapter 57 we'll just look there briefly isaiah chapter 57 we'll look at the nlt version as well We'll look at verse 14 and 15. 
the Bible says, God says, rebuild the road. Clear away the rocks and stones so my people can return from captivity. The high and lofty one who lives in eternity. Listen to this. The high and lofty one who lives in eternity. The holy one says this. I live in the high and holy place with those whose spirits are contrite and humble. God lives. If you want to live in the presence of God, if you want to inhabit eternity, if that's where you want to go, if heaven is the place you want to make it to, the Bible says that God only lives with those whose spirits are humble and contrite. That word contrite in the, in the Hebrew meaning language literally means broken, crushed. Meaning, it literally means paralyzed. Someone who's contrite cannot even move themselves. They have to be lifted up. The Bible speaks of one of the sons of Saul. His name was Mephibosheth. And he was dropped at such a young age and was paralyzed his whole life. And wherever Mephibosheth went, he had to be carried. He had to be pushed or he had to be taken. And so God is looking for a generation of Mephibosheths, of men and women who are so contrite that we can't move without God. The Bible says, humble yourselves in the sight of God and he will exalt you in due time. He will lift you up. God will raise you up when you are humble before him. God is looking for a man and a woman to to bring change to this world, but it starts with being humble with being contrite. And so God says, this is who I'm looking to live with. If you want to remain in my presence, humble yourselves. If you want to be used by God, humble yourselves. If you want to see the world change, it's not just about praying and fasting. It's about humbling ourselves. Because pride comes to exalt us. But humility comes to bring us low. And so Jesus is saying, I want to remove that root of pride. And sometimes our pride comes from our own insecurities. And it's our insecurities that allow this pride to advance. And because they made fun of us when we were young and because we may have been bullied or because we may have been taunted when we were children, that insecurity gives room to pride where pride now says, I cannot let them talk to me like that again. And pride now exalts itself. And God says that everyone who is proud in heart is an abomination. Are you an abomination in the presence of God? Am I an abomination? And it's important to examine because the pride often covers our eyes. When pride comes, it covers the eyes from us being able to see God. And it causes us only to seek glory for ourselves. 
And so Jesus is now saying, let me into your heart. Because if I come in, I will remove that root of pride. If you allow me in, I will destroy that spirit of pride. Because pride is so subtle, all it needs is a little crack. Just a small thought. I did well tonight. And after I finish speaking, that spirit of pride is is probably sitting somewhere in the office waiting to have a conversation with me. Oh, you did well. Great job. And if I get a text, great word, minister. And pride is, is trying to attach itself to that word so that it can come in. And once it's in, then it begins to exalt self. And dethrone God until I'm walking around ready and ripe for destruction. What will happen to all those who are proud in heart? The Bible tells us in Malachi chapter 4. And we'll look at that chapter 4 verse 1 in the King James Version. The Bible says, for behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, say the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. All the proud, the Bible says, will be burnt up. It wasn't just Sodom and Gomorrah that faced this form of destruction. That was just an example for those who would continue in their abominations. It was pride that led to every other sin. Because that pride led to the gluttony. Because the more they exalted themselves, the more they amassed riches and the more wealth they got is the more they would feast and eat to their heart's content. Because pride says, feed yourself first. Don't worry about anyone else. And after the gluttony, then the laziness, because you know, after you had a good heavy meal, it's hard to work. Some call it the itis. Some call it ethnic fatigue. But once it settles in, It's hard to start working. Now, that's where now the laziness comes in. And once that comes in, when we're lazy, that's when we want others to serve us. So that's where now the poor and the needy, the only good they are is to be slaves. You want something, you got to work for me. Slave yourself for me. People want my attention, you got to work for it. You want to be in my company, you got to be worthy of it. And from there we see the sin giving birth to more sin until the destruction. And the destruction is standing saying, come on, don't come any closer. Because if you get right face to face with me, there's no returning. There's no no place to run. The Bible says, hallelujah. That he that closes his ears to the cry of the poor will also be ignored in that day of destruction. It's in Proverbs 21. 
And as they're crying out from Sodom, have mercy, it's too late. The fire has already fallen. And the Bible says that when the Lord returns, he will return in flaming vengeance. He will come back, not as a small, meek baby. But when he returns, he will appear as a fire from heaven to destroy those who oppose him. To destroy those who have become an adversary. When the Antichrist comes, the Bible says he will oppose himself against God and everything that is worshipped. And God will burn him with the fire of his coming. And so tonight we want to be in a safe place. Hallelujah. We want to be in that place where God resides. So that when the destruction comes, we will find a place of safety. The Bible says in the next verse in Hamalachi 2, as I close, it says, But unto you that fear my name, shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings. And you will go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. There is a juxtaposition. For those who fear God, when you fear and reverence God, it leads you to bow. And when we bow to the Lord, it will bring us to a point where now we're saying, God, you alone have all authority over my life. Whatever you say goes. God, I, I reverence you so much that God, I'm, I'm willing to humble myself, not just to you, but to those who you have assigned over me, over uh, those leaders that you have put in my life. My pastor, my parents, anyone where I see authority figures, I want to humble myself. I want to make sure that my mouth is shut so tight that I don't speak a word against you in ignorance. Because often pride will cause us to speak ignorantly. The proud will speak against God and not even realize it. And so God says now, now call your tongue, keep your tongue, keep your mouth. The Bible says he who keepeth his mouth, keepeth his life. So the humble, they know how to keep their tongue. Hallelujah. How to remain low before God. Know how to be silent until God brings understanding. Because the proud will often believe that understanding comes from within. That's why in the same scripture in Proverbs 16, I believe it's verse 2 that says, Every, every man, his ways are right in his own eyes. All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes. That's the proud. But the humble recognize, God, I don't, even, I don't even understand myself. I'm so sinful, God. I'm, I'm unclean, God. I need you to wash me. I need you to purify me, God. I can't afford to live without you with me, God. And they bow. And God would cleanse them and raise them up. So God is saying tonight, will you let go of your pride? Though hand join in hand. Although those men, they, they held hands surrounding the house. Although they were in agreement. There may be someone that you're in agreement with. It may be even against the church. 
It may be against the, the direction the church is going in you. You may be in agreement holding hands with someone in the spirit. Hallelujah. There may be conversations that are happening. But though hand join in hand, although you think that the, by, by joining hands and joining forces that you will be prevailing. The Bible says he shall not go unpunished. Even against one man, a hundred versus one. One humble man versus a million proud will always come out victorious because that one has God with him. And so tonight I encourage us, let's not be like Sardis, those in Sardis who the Bible says, you have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. The pride will cause you to think that you're alive and to think that you're good with God. To think that everything is working for you. But the Bible says they were dead. Don't allow pride to cause you to think that you're alive when spiritually you're dead. Don't think that speaking in tongues means that you're alive. Don't think that a shake means you're alive. Don't think that because you read the scriptures and something comes to you means you're alive. No. We know we're alive when we have humbled ourselves before the word of God and allow him to direct our path. And so tonight, I speak to someone's heart who may be wrestling with pride right now. Hallelujah. You may be feeling the grip of pride. And pride is trying to justify why it's there. No, I'm not going to let go of what they did to me. Of what they took from my life. Pride is saying, no, I'm not going to let go. But I want you to hear the voice of God. Let go of your pride. When you let go, God will release so much blessings that you won't even have room to store it. So open your heart. Maybe it's been years since you've addressed this issue that you feel the Lord is speaking to tonight. It may have been years since you've uncovered that issue. But God is saying, let go of your pride tonight. There's so much he has in store for you. But it starts with Letting go. God bless you. Allow his face to shine upon you and give you peace as you let go of your pride. In Jesus' name.